0: Get to the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today I'm super excited to have Emily Richards on the show. She has an amazing new book. It's called The House Guests, and what a phenomenal page-turning thriller. This, you know, it, it's getting hot weather, and you know, we wanna we wanna spend some days inside under the air conditioner and in our favorite reading chair. And the House Guests is one of those books that must be on your uh, your table beside your reading chair this summer. You're going to love it. I know I did. Uh, welcome to the show, Emily.
1: Oh, thank you, Hank, and thank you for having me.
0: I'm excited to have you. Uh, Emily, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller?
1: Oh, that's so funny. I do remember, I think I was in third grade. In, I'm pretty sure it was third or second grade. And I wrote a story and there, <laughs> it was a thriller. It had a, a black hand on the wall and somebody died. And I remember my teacher taking me aside and saying, we don't write stories like this. <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> i not sure what I was thinking or what precipitated that, but I do remember that much.
0: Oh that is so funny. That is so funny. Um did did she give you any guidance? I mean you know other than we don't do this? Did did she tell you what was acceptable literature for for a youngster?
1: I don't remember her saying that, but it was probably anything sweet and uh with happily ever after. <laughs> well,
0: you That's showed the her. Girls.
1: You?
0: you showed her, didn't you? I guess. <laughs> So so Emily um you know from from that early memory of wanting to be a writer uh, did that stick with you you know a, a lot of us will have these early desires but then you know life gets in the way and you know paying bills and raising families and getting married and all of the things that you do and uh it, you know, as you're becoming an adult, did did this writing thing stick with you, or you know, were you like a lot of us, uh, kind of had to come back around to it?
1: I um I was in a school that really spent a lot of time diagramming sentences all through English classes, and we almost never got a chance to write. Wow! Uh, but the few times that I did, I was just absolutely loved it. However, I I was from a family where we were told pretty explicitly that. You could pursue your loves, but you had to do something that would make money for your profession. So um, I never really considered writing um, professionally until I was home with my children. And I realized I had a year we had I had four children. And this was after the birth of the last one. I realized I would be home at least a year before I tried to look for a job outside the house. And I thought, wow, this is my chance. And so I started writing for the fun of it, but also as kind of as therapy, you know, to, it was something I could do that wasn't related to my wonderful kids who were great, but I needed a break from them and they needed a break from me. So <laughs> I, I did it for fun and then I did it for love and then I did it for money.
0: You know, and, and, and every one of those uh, reasons and every step along the journey is absolutely valid.
1: Yeah, I think so too. The The love came pretty quickly. I realized probably halfway through my first short story, which was a short story for children, oddly enough, the first and only one I ever wrote, I realized I had to do this for the rest of my life. I just loved it and I wasn't going to quit.
0: So Emily, as as someone who received this advice and someone who also has raised children of her own, Looking back on that now, what do you think about that advice? Uh, because a lot of us get that. You know, do what you love, but also have something you can fall back on. Um, you know that that's advice that a lot of us get. and And some people would argue, you know that that giving yourself an out like that um prevents a lot of people from ever pursuing their dream because it, it makes them scared too. um as as someone who got that advice, but also as a mother, what do you think of that advice?
1: Well, I know that because of that advice, I was very clear to my children that they should do what they loved, um, that that there would be a way to support themselves. They would find a way to support themselves, but they should really, if they wanted to do something that they loved that wasn't an immediate source of income, they would find a way to, to support themselves while they were doing it, but they should concentrate on following their heart
0: Gotcha. Um, when when you started writing, what was do you remember what that first story idea that that came to you and that that you started um, working on that that you knew okay this is this is going to be an actual book.
1: You know, I've always been pretty practical because I I knew that I was going to continue writing forever but that I didn't want to make enough money. I had these, I had four children and I wanted to make sure they all went to college if they wanted to go. Um, and so I kind of scouted around for what was selling in the marketplace um, because I wanted to write anything. I mean, really, I was excited to try this and excited to try that. Um, and I just wanted to spend my time productively if, if I could. So um, I started with a children's story Then I wrote some other short stories for adults that really didn't have a market. And then one day I stumbled on the romance genre uh, because um, Catherine Falk of Romantic Times Magazine, which isn't uh, being produced now, but was very instrumental in the romance industry, um, had written a book about writing the romance novel. And I thought at the time, wow, this is really my kind of thing. I have um, I love writing about people. I'm um I love I have a degree, a master's degree in family development and marriage. I did a lot of marriage counseling before I started writing. Um and so I sort of understood relationships and what goes wrong and what, you know, how to how to fix things that go wrong and yeah. uh, the kinds of problems that, that can occur. Um and that end on a positive note. Um and I was I thought this this really is. And I hadn't actually read romances up until that point or not many. I had read a few. Um, and I, so I thought, wow, this is just great. I'm going to look into this, read the bought the book, read the book. Um, and that was I never looked back from that point on.
0: Romance is one of the most fascinating genres to me for, for lots of reasons, but I think it's also one of the most misunderstood genres or overlooked or you know use whatever descriptors that you want. Um, what surprised you as someone who you said that you were not necessarily – uh, a romance reader. What surprised you about the genre when you got into it? When, well, first off, when you started reading it, and then when you started writing it and, and got into the the business side of it, what, what surprised you the most?
1: Well, you know, at that point in history, and um, I started writing in the 1980s, uh, there weren't a lot of places for women authors Um, unless they were doing literary fiction and there wasn't a lot of that out there, you know, a lot of opportunity out there for that either. Um, So I was surprised when I picked up the books and found out what an incredible breadth of story was available to us. Uh, More so even then, perhaps than now, I'm not sure, but we had, you know, gritty, gritty uh, social uh, action, social justice issues were uh, acceptable Suspense was acceptable, melodrama was acceptable, uh, paranormal was acceptable. Um, there was, we had a whole lot of options. And so for those of us that were starting in the genre, we had, we could really kind of write what we wanted to write. And there was so much of a market for it that we had a pretty good chance of, uh, if we were a good writer, being published.
0: Do, do you feel, do you like, feel that, like that um, romance was sort of this umbrella that you could, uh, get under and then do whatever you wanted to anyway. Under the, I, I don't want to say under the guise of writing romance because that's, that, that, that feels disingenuous. But um, did, did it, did it give you an in to readers that kind of opened up the possibilities?
1: That's a great way to put it, Hank. I, I love that image that it was an umbrella and lots of us could get, it was a big umbrella. We could, we could snuggle under it together. Um, really, uh, the, the whole, point of a romance was a story about, and in those days, it was a man and a woman, um, at least in the big markets, uh, who fall in love, have have to overcome all kinds of obstacles and end up together at some form or other at the end. And within that, there was just this huge uh, variety of things we could write about. So um, I, I just felt like I had really stumbled on exactly the right thing for me because I was very interested in kind of nitty-gritty problems couples have and also in um, social justice issues, which I was able to write about. Um, and, and so I was I was never told, no, you can't write this. Uh, at any point in my career, and I've written about 80 books, but um, I was never said, no, we're not interested in that as a story. I, I managed to write about everything that interested me.
0: So, so you yeah. you use words like, back then, uh, romance was this way. Uh, how has the genre changed?
1: You know, I honestly, I'm not writing romance now. Um, I think it's, it's a lot broader in, in terms of... Um, uh, the kinds of stories people are able to write and the and the the people who people them. I mean, for a long, long time, it was really white um, uh, Caucasian hero and heroine, and now we have all kinds of um, different races and we have um, gender issues which come up and all kinds of uh, interesting things that that probably weren't acceptable in those in the, at that time. So I think in that way it's broader, but I also think that the market has changed so much that for people who want to write about bigger issues, um, they can write in what we now call women's fiction or, you know, or a crossover sort of between women's fiction and paranormal or women's fiction and um, suspense or suspense and paranormal. There's a lot of options now that weren't available at the beginning.
0: So, what precipitated your change of genre? Um, Was it was it a gradual, you know, branching out, uh, or one day did you decide, okay, I'm I'm going to try a different genre and then, you know, construct a completely different story?
1: Um, I think I I had always been writing what we call women's fiction today, but with the emphasis because they were being marketed as romance novels, I was emphasizing the romance um, portion of the story. Um, but eventually came up with a story that was much, much too broad for the romance genre. It really wasn't a romance, although it had had a love story in it. Um, but it, and I realized that that was a book I really wanted to write, um, which later became two books. And um, and I knew then that I was switching genres, that that this would not be acceptable in where I was writing. Um, but that it would be acceptable in the marketplace if I could find a home for it.
0: Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPins is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process. Concept or log line. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and 3 acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Right. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000-word book, it's about two cards per chapter, roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let Plot Pins help you visualize your writing project. Use code Hank10 to get 10% off Plot Pins. Plotpins.com. authors I have a fantastic new service to tell you about it's called Pubsite Pubsite is a service to help you build your very own website your home on the web where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you Pubsite is a website platform that allows every author regardless of budget Have a great looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy to use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. Pubsite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. Pubsite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors... Find their home on the web. You wrote a, a series of cozy mysteries um, it, with the. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the on the series title. You can uh, tell me in a minute, but it started with "Blessed" as the busybody um Ministry is Murder what was that the series right
1: you've got it yeah I I wrote five of those that that was so much fun and um I just loved writing those books I would have continued only I found writing two books a year at that point because my women's fiction novels are really long I just don't seem to be able to write short no matter how hard I try at least for those kind of novels um so it it just got it got too overwhelming for me to write both and I had to I had to stop writing the mysteries but I still think about Aggie and her family and and wish I could hop back into her head because she was just so much fun to write well
0: and what a fun (laughs) series um that just um kind of completely turned the the genre on its head and what a great premise to start with what what uh kind of what what got you going down that road
1: Well, you know, I'm a minister's wife um, and she's a Unitarian minister's wife, which is what I am, too. But she's in a small Ohio conservative town. Um, And so Aggie is just she wasn't raised uh, in any kind of religion. She comes from a very odd family um, and she uh, she's trying to deal with all the intricacies of uh, her husband's position in the community while maintaining her family and her life and trying to figure out who she is in terms of her own career. Um, and it just, she's just a character. I just loved her. Her mother is a, is runs a quilt shop in town and she's a, she's a real character. Junie is a real character. Um, and she shows up in the books and, and it was just, I just loved the whole thing. I loved setting up a, a little town and Creating the characters and all the silly things and each of the books oddly enough although most people don't get this is based on an old testament story very vaguely so um, and that made it fun you know how am i going to redo joseph and the coat of many colors which was you know one of the books or how am i going to redo lot's wife which was the first book um and it, that that just made it so much fun to write for me so so fun, fun. So
0: fun. Um, so Emily, you you now um the new book I, I think I can safely say is a thriller, um, the house guests. Um w- what what ultimately brought you to to this genre and what is it about the thriller genre um that really excites you?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't think of this book as a thriller, but I think it has thriller elements in it. So for me, I think if I had sat down and said I'm gonna write a thriller, it would have been ha! Ah! can't do that but um but actually it's just an extension of what i've always done there's always been a lot of my books have had suspense and i mean obviously i wrote a mystery series so i like the mystery element um and i just felt like i just wanted to get a little grittier i really wanted to deal with um harder things in the lives of my hair my my two major characters the two women who really are the major characters in this story i really wanted to give them bigger problems than sometimes I've had in the past um and that's how that developed
0: what, what is it that 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 determines genre for you because you said, you know, if I if I would have set out to write a thriller, maybe I couldn't do that uh, or, or uh, psyched myself out. Um, and you know, this this definitely has elements of uh, of suspense and. You oh, yeah. know, it definitely is a page turner um, right. which is not necessarily something that you think of when you think of literary fiction or women's fiction uh, it, it, by the way women's fiction what a huge umbrella is that oh, um, yeah it, absolutely you know, and, and uh, yeah it's, anyway that's a different discussion for a different day um but um, do, do you think um about genre when you begin writing and you know each genre might determine uh different story elements that you use uh so is that something that you think about from the beginning
1: you know i don't ever think gosh i now it's time to write us write a suspense novel or have a lot of suspense in a novel i look at the story and where it's going and what makes it what would make it most interesting and in the house guests there's an important story wo- woven into it um about one of the characters. There's actually two, but the one that you know you you sense that there, this is a dangerous situation right from the beginning. Um, and I loved being able to string that out and and have um, have that be a major part of the story. But I didn't do it with the idea that I was writing a thriller. If you can, if I can make, I'm not making that clear, maybe, but um, but it was the story that determined what was going to happen in the characters, what was going to happen to these two women and how it was going to happen and then it just ended up taking on quite a few thriller um, sort of elements I am
0: fascinated fascinated. with the beginnings of things and how a story um, what that first kernel is and then how it evolves from there when you start thinking of a new book uh, Emily what is the the first thing that comes to you is it a character and and then do you you know, decide what journey this character is going to go on, or maybe it, it's a plot point that that comes to you from reading a newspaper article or watching a movie or reading another book, and then you start playing the what if game, and characters you know invariably take the stage of your mind, and then um, you know the house guests uh, you know becomes becomes an entity in one way or another. How, how does it begin for you?
1: You know, I have done it all those ways. Um but I do think probably most of the time a plot point um is what what uh sets me off. And in this case, I had read a newspaper article and this was many many years ago. <clears throat> I I don't even know how many years ago about a, a young woman who was uh, had her rent money um in her wallet and lost her wallet and because she couldn't pay her rent, she was kicked out into the street. And that stuck with me. And I've always thought that would be an interesting exploration. What happened to her? How did how did she get to that point? What happened to her afterwards? Um, Did anybody come to her rescue? And if they did, what happened from that point? Um, And then, you know, you start asking yourself questions like, could I take a stranger into my house under dire circumstances and offer my aid to them? Um, and what would be the reasons I would be willing to do that. Um, so you just start building all that. I will say that this book, because I said I had the idea a long time ago, it took a long time to form. Even when I thought I had a plot um, for it, it just wasn't interesting enough, and um, I had to go back to the drawing board any number of times. I have one major character who was alive and then dead and then alive and then <laughs> I was like <laughs> are they alive or dead um and so I had to really I really had a lot of things I had to sort through um more than usual usually when I start writing I have a very good outline um on paper not just in my head of what's going to happen and this time it changed any number of times
0: when um for, tell me about the the main characters, uh, Cassie and Savannah. Where, where did they come from? And um, like you said, you'd been thinking about this story for a while, but were these characters, uh, were they kind of hanging around with you all this time?
1: Well, uh, no, actually, no. Amber, who is the young woman who becomes homeless... Um, was my first character who I came up with. And then I needed someone who could help her, but I didn't want to do gooder. I didn't want somebody who just jumps in and does things um, um, who, who sees herself as above Amber, who sees herself as more important and she's handing out charity. So I had to really work on a backstory for for uh, Cassie. Why would Cassie do something like this? And then of course, Savannah came came from that um. And Savannah is her stepdaughter. And Savannah is really the one who sort of gets, sets this. She's a catalyst for this story in a way. Losing uh, uh, the Losing of the rent money is a, a catalyst. But Savannah's behavior is a, is a catalyst. And the reason Cassie has to come into this. Uh, so I wanted Cassie to have her own story. And I wanted her to be struggling with her past in, in the same way that Amber is struggling with hers. Although we don't realize how much she's struggling until the book develops.
0: The... um. The, um the setting at florida where the the book takes place really becomes a character uh, almost in a lot of ways how important is setting to you
1: oh it's so important And I think that that's been said about my books a lot, that the setting is is a character. I wrote a number of books in Louisiana when I started the women's fiction. Well, some of them were romances. Um, But I think that that was a very strong element in all of those stories. I've written books set in Australia. I've spent quite a bit of time there. Um, And Australia is a big character in those books. Uh, So in this case, Tarpon Springs was not very far away from where I grew up as a child, And um, our school took a field trip to Tarpon Springs (laughs) to see the sponge divers uh, and to just see the sponge docks and experience that. Um, And it was an everlasting memory for me that the sponge divers did a demonstration in the old diving suits, which, of course, they don't use now. But they did use um, With the, the stores full of sponges, the whole atmosphere being so different from Gulfport, Florida, where I grew up. Uh, and I've never forgotten it. Um, and then we moved back, my husband and I moved back to that area when we retired um, and and visited Tarpon Springs again. And I knew right away that I had to set a book there. Um, it took a while to decide to set this one there uh, because I wasn't sure how I could weave that into the story. I didn't want to have sponge divers. Um, I've done a diving book about diving for pearls in Australia, and I didn't want to do another one. Um, and so I had to find other ways to weave it in. But I love the city. It's a, it's a great little city. I love the food. <laughs> I love the food. Uh, and I like the Greek culture is so interesting to me. So um, it, was, it just seemed like a natural if I could find a way to fit it in.
0: One of the the things that drives this book uh, is the idea of secrets and and family secrets. Uh, when you start developing the plot for this book and where it's going to go, um, how do you start developing those secrets and then trying to decide what you're going to reveal to whom, what to uh, what to prevent people from knowing and and building that tension that 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 comes with the keeping of secrets?
1: You know, that's hard. Um, that that's sort of you as your I, I outline that we have in the you know, we have in the uh, writing community. We talk about plotters and pantsers Sure. and the, sure. the pants are the ones who who just write on by the seat of their pants. They start and then they just start writing. I'm a plotter because I feel like it's just too scary to go to the computer every day and not have the foggiest idea what I'm going to write about. Um, So I've always been a plotter. Um, And so when you're plotting, you kind of you have an idea what the secrets are and you sort of um, you scatter them through the chapters. But that that changes because revelations occur, even if you're a plotter, new things come up, new characters appear, new revelations show up or. Or you realize that the secret isn't secret enough in your story, and you have to go back and either come up with a new secret or change the way that you're revealing it. Uh, so it's an ongoing process, I'd say.
0: You said earlier that you have written eighty some odd novels. Um, how has your writing process changed over eighty novels? I would imagine that by now you you have a process that you're very comfortable with and and that that works. Uh undoubtedly for you, but how has it changed over the years?
1: You know, I'm not sure it has changed that much. Um my books are more complicated, so there's a lot more thinking time at the beginning of a book. Um I you know, I mean the difference between a plotter and a pancer is that the plotter does a lot of the thinking up front and the pancer does the thinking as they write, goes back and makes changes. Um, but for me, a whole lot of it's done right up front, a lot of thoughts, a lot. Of, I do something called, um, uh, I, or scenes and revelations. So as an, a scene appears to me in my head for these characters, I'll write that down. Or if there's a revelation that suddenly occurs to me, this is going to be revealed. I write all that down. Then I, um, and when I have a long, long list of those, I sort of juggle them around and um, begin to, to do my outline from that. And then fill in all the things that are missing as I go. And now I've done a, a version of that, but of course at the beginning it was my books were simpler, the stories were simpler, the characters didn't have as much room to develop. Um, and so it's become, it's become like a, a more complicated version of sort of the same thing. I also have a group of brainstormers. Um, I've been in two different groups, um, and that really helps. These are great women, and we have such fun together. Uh, we don't critique for each other, but we we come into each of the brainstorming sessions that's focusing on us and say, this is my idea, and this is where I'm stuck. Do you have an idea? Or we can even say, I'm, I'm almost done, but I can't figure out how to end it. What do you think? Um, and that's really helping it helps to have other people to bounce off of. And I bounce off ideas off my husband and some of my friends too. So, um, and I think that's new. When I started, there was nobody to bounce off of. I didn't know any other writers. Um, and so I had to wallow through the whole um, morass of, <laughs> of publishing by myself for a while. But um, now I know where to go to get help if I need help or to get ideas or just to be with friends and you know take sustenance from that.
0: Having someone to bounce ideas off of is you can't put a price on that. That is amazing,
1: yeah, no, that's the truth. And my husband is really, really good. so we'll we'll do that on walks. I'll say, you know, I have this idea. what do you think? and And we'll come up with you know they, you don't necessarily go with someone else's idea. In fact, you rarely do, but it does get you thinking in new directions, and that's always helpful.
0: Absolutely, um, Emily. What are you working on now? What What's coming up next for you? Uh, I, I would imagine you're probably knee deep in the next novel coming out next year.
1: Well, I have a I have an idea that I, I'm going to actually independently publish this. It's um it's a series of novellas about characters in a series that I did for my publisher um and this would not be the kind of book they would want to add but I really felt that these were minor characters in the second book of the series it was called uh, it was called Endless Chain and it was about uh quilters the books are all set in the Shenandoah Valley and quilts figure into each plot one way or the other in different ways and these were all members of a quilting group at a church. Um, and I just kept seeing little stories for each of these women. So I'm working on that now. I'm, I'm almost, it'll, it should come out in the fall. It's called Peaks and Valleys, and uh, it, it features three of these uh, stories or novellas um, that are tied together by the auction of a quilt. And so um, I'm, that's really kind of where I'm spending my time right now.
0: Well, and thank God that the state of publishing is where we could, do things like that like there's obviously an audience that wants to see um these these stories that add extra character and flavor to something you've already written even if the publisher might not be interested in it um there's an avenue now that that you can do that and you can give your readers uh what they want what a what a great great time well you
1: just yeah you just capsulized the whole thing the whole the whole experience of doing that because i've been I've had so many emails. This, this series was probably the most, the most popular thing I've ever written, the most popular uh, group of books I've ever written. And um, I knew that there needed to be more. And so I'm just delighted to be able to do it. Plus I'm enjoying writing shorter uh, stories uh, and putting them together in some cohesive way. That, that's been kind of a challenge and fun.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what you make of that. Um, The house guest, though, is available everywhere today. When you're hearing this, they're. Links to it in the show notes of this episode where you can grab it in hardcover or Kindle edition uh, or, or uh, audiobook If you want to listen to the house guest, uh, it's also available from audible links to all of that in the show notes of this episode. Um, Emily, if people are just learning about you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, is there a place they can connect with you online? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I have a really nice website, emilyrichards.com. I also have two Facebook um, pages. I have a page just for people to just like and follow me on, and I I put news in that. But I have a read-along with Emily Richards group, which is a private group. Anybody can join. They just have to uh, check in and answer a few questions so we know they're not spam bots. Um, but that's really fun we do a reading challenge every month um we we as a group we've come up with like 30 different categories or ideas for the challenge and then we let random.org online choose the 12 that we're going to do that month I mean that year and like this month we're reading um it, it's a, a book uh, let's see we we just did it that's this month yeah the Indi, we're with an indigenous writer. And next month, we're going to be doing a book about books. So the book that people select has to be about books uh, in one form or the other. And of course, there's nobody riding herd on your choices. Um, you, you have the category and then you choose and then you just come on to the group and tell people what you're reading and what you think about it and what you've learned. Um, it's a very positive group. It's not a negative group. Um, and so I'm having a lot of fun with that. It's nice to just convene with my readers and 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 find out what they're enjoying and why they're enjoying it. And um, it's just it's been a good experience. So those, those two groups or those two Facebook presences, I guess, have been a lot of fun for me. Excellent.
0: Excellent. We'll put links to all those places in the show notes of this episode. The House Guests is available everywhere today when you're hearing this. And uh, go grab your copy. Emily, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show today.
1: Thanks for the great questions, Hank. Much success with this podcast.
0: Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no further than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.